Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop. My name is Steve. And I'm Elijah, and in this week's episode... We're going to discuss digital applications within board games. Before we jump on the topic, we'll just do a quick recap, because I know it's been a little while since Elijah and I have been on the podcast together. And part of that reason is because I've just been traveling a lot within the past month. A lot of it's been work travel, but a little bit of personal travel, including a trip to the Black Hills of South Dakota, which is a lot of fun. Anything you've been up to recently, Elijah? Uh, yeah, I've been kind of busy messing around with a little bit of game design, just uh, kicking around some ideas in my head. And then uh, we took a family trip to Bush Gardens up in uh, Virginia and had a great time riding the roller coasters and uh, enjoying the amusement park. So yeah, after all our travel, we did manage to meet up and start playing games again, and we decided to kick it off with... Fancy Flight's new release, The Outer Rim. The other thing I want to mention is we do have a contest going on right now. Mike has created a video detailing this contest on the One Stop Co-op Shop YouTube channel. The contest is to win some pins, which are actually pretty cool pins. So there is an Etsy link so you can go view them. There's, a, I don't know, like four or five pins you can pick from. And then just fill out the Google form. Mike will be drawing the winners live Monday night, July 1st. 9 p.m. Eastern Time. There'll be two winners. One winner will be able to pick one of any pin they want, and then the other will receive a pin from Mike, actually. So if you want to enter that contest, go to our YouTube channel and find that video. Or if you want, I'll have links to the Etsy page and the Google form in the description of this podcast. Enough preamble, let's jump into our discussion topic about digital applications in board games. So I think it's important, Steve, that we start off, kind of lay out this podcast episode with what do we mean by digital applications in board games? And I I think this can run the whole gambit. Um, You have a lot of kind of concepts flying around, but for the most part, we've been able to group them into really two kind of buckets. Uh, The first being digital supplement. So this is something that makes playing the game easier or more fun, but it's not required. And so this is kind of uh, something that you can bring in and use. Maybe the the developer or the publisher has made that available to you. Also, some of these supplements could be even user-created. Maybe it's as simple as a rule book, too. That's easier to search or something. Uh, But the other type would be an integrated digital component. And so this differs from the digital supplement in that it's absolutely required to play the game. So there's no way you can play the board game without this digital aspect of it. And the other point I'll mention real quick is there are also board games that are completely converted into digital format, but that's not what we're talking about in this episode, so we're not going to cover about that. And that's something like being a boot up your uh, tablet device to play Sentinels of the Multiverse. And so I guess why are publishers and designers adding digital application board games. We were kind of looking at this and broke it down to a few different categories or three different usages. One usage is to take the place of a GM or a player or that has a role that's not very exciting. And so, I mean, when you play board games, we're playing board games to have fun. And if you really want to achieve some type of design goal that has some monotony to it or some um, some heavy work or maybe some reason that you need to have a player or some entity or actor know the solution to the game, then this is a good uh, usage of adding a digital application in it. One thing is, I think we've all been here. Um, how many of us, raise your hands, have bought a game and you love it, but there's one person who kind of has to be the bad guy, right, or the dungeon master, and it it's okay, right, it works, but you know, in a way, it would be great to have all of us around the table kind of playing on the same side or enjoying it in the same way. So this, to me, is a very clear, right, example of the app taking that place. And I think, you know, there's a big mix, of course, on apps in general, and we'll talk about that later. But um, this is what we're talking about with this one. And and so we have a couple examples, like Imperial Assault's a, a pretty good example where, the, you know, in the base game, of course, you have a skirmish mode, you have the campaign mode, but it relies on kind of the... I'll call it a GM game master who's running the empire and you have your rebel players. And so the app with Fantasy Flight, it does not replace that. But what it did was bring in the cooperative aspect to it. So, you know, now instead of kind of um, playing one versus many or one v one, now everyone can enjoy the game in a cooperative way. And Steve, you and I had played through this campaign and had actually had a lot of fun with it. 
Yeah, it did. Yeah, it's very similar to that. Another game that does it is also Mansions of Madness. Originally, this game came out, the first edition at least, you had a GM, so you had someone who set up the mansion and set up all the the traps and what the rooms did and controlled all the monsters and stuff like that. And then Fancy Flight again came out with an app to completely replace that role. So now everyone can play as investigators. The app tells you what tiles to grab. It keeps track of the event timers or what happens behind the scenes. It actually plays some cool thematic music to really get you in the, the, the horror mood. So that's another example of how to do that. Um, another one that's not cooperative uh, is one of my favorite games, actually. A uh, competitive game, that is. And that's Alchemist. In Alchemist, the premise is everyone is basically an alchemy uh, teacher, professor. And you're trying to understand the base elements of different ingredients. So what you're doing is you're taking like uh, a frog and a feather and combining these two ingredients and creating a potion. And from creating these potions, you can work backwards and almost like a Sudoku type puzzle to figure out the base elemental compound of like the frog of that feather. And then you're trying to publish these in the paper. So it's very much like a scientific method in a box. But the problem with that game is you need to have some way of when you combine these ingredients, you need to know what the, the potion result is. And so you could have one person, and in the game it does has the option, one person has the answer key. And so in that case, you would have to like show the person with the answer key, hey, here's my two ingredients. What, what did I get out the, out the end of it? And they would look at their chart or whatever and tell you the answer. But the problem is that player could not play the game because the whole point of Alchemist is to find that solution. And so they already have the solution, and it completely removes them. It's just They're just managing the game. And so what Alchemist did is it has an app where you scan in those cards, and it tells you within the app what the result is. So now everyone can play the game. So I think that's a really good example of how you can take a digital application and remove that boring role so everyone can enjoy the game equally. There's also another way that apps can be used in board games, and it's to maintain the pacing. And so... Um, you know, the app is basically kind of maintaining the, the feel of the game, the pace of the game, whether it's a countdown. So some examples here are Fuse, um, you know, a very uh, kind of panic-induced, right? There's a time to the game and it's counting down. You have your uh, five-minute dungeon, five-minute marble games where you only have five minutes to work through this deck, right? So you put that app at the center of the table or whatever, and, and it's counting down. And it's kind of maintaining that pacing of the game. Yeah, some of the examples, Escape, Curse of the Temple, this is as well. We have a, a time limit to try to work together to escape the temple. And the cool thing about this is not only can you have a timer, but a lot of these games also add some some tense music music in there that really brings up your, your blood levels, right? Gets you excited about to play the game and fun little sound effects to trigger different things. Uh, like XCOM also. It can also give you ulcers, Steve, and really increase your anxiety level. I, would... <laughs> I know. So I'm just going to let our listeners know if you're not familiar with 5-Minute Marvel or Dungeon, uh, that's one of those that, like, wow, when you're playing that game, it's just your, your anxiety or stress or kind of the tension is really there. It's cool. Oh, definitely. And they, I've had some fun ones, too, like uh, Fuse, where they have some the voice prompts give you some fun feedback. Like, what are you doing? The bomb's going to blow up, you know? Just kind of make fun of the players that they're not doing very well. So it can be quite quite fun. But yeah, like XCOM, for example, does does this as well, where it controls the aliens' invasions in a real-time environment. And so it can really keep the pacing going forward. You have to, you have to move quickly, keep track of the timer for you. And yeah, you could probably do that with sand timers, but when you have this level of immersion, we can actually have that sound effects really add to the game. And a third usage for using digital apps and board games would be creating an environment or the state of a game that you want to imbue onto the players. And so if there's like this world that you want them to explore or environment, uh, you can do it with cards and some other mechanics, but a digital app could also replace that as well. Like one example is Chronicles of Crime is a good example. Like if you want them to feel like they're at a crime scene, you go ahead and put on a some goggles, VR goggles, and look around and uh, uh, recreate a crime scene. They're trying to spot clues. You know, that's a really fun way of implementing digitals in that sense. Yeah, and of course, we have a big uh, recent game by Fantasy Flight, Lord of the Rings Journey to Middle Earth, where the, you know, you kind of have the board in front of you and, and your minis and, and your characters, but the app is really maintaining kind of the state of where you're at in the game. So how far are you into the journey? 
you know, um, it's also handling all the monsters. And so, you know, there's no cards for the monsters in the States. Like, what's their armor? What's their hit points? Where are they? Um, you know, it's, they're, they're placed on the map itself, but the game is kind of keeping track of all the state of everything. So, you know, if you take away that app, I have no idea where we are in the campaign, right? The, the game is keeping track of that. We're not using a piece of paper or cards or something like that. And of course, Steve, uh, tell me about U-Boat. <laughs> yeah, as we just reviewed earlier, U-Boat is an excellent example of this as well, where it can controls a whole open world environment you can explore in. It's really hard to get that open world feeling in a board game. But with an app, you can actually have the uh, enemy AI be have some intelligence in there. It can respond to your actions within the game. And you can have various other random environmental effects too. So that's exactly what U-Boat does. Sailing on waters, finding ships, um, keeping track of what the weather would be and various uh, negative effects like maybe your your fuel line needs to be repaired, whatever it needs to be. So that's a great example of, of managing that environment and state. Yeah, and so in summary, we basically have, again, the use types, uh, replacing somebody at the table, uh, maintaining the game pacing, and of course, managing the environment state and the game state. So, you know, there's going to be nuances and edge cases, but by and large, most of the ways that apps integrate with board games or are out there, aside from the one we, uh, Steve talked about earlier, where you have a full conversion, um, we feel that would fall into one of these states. Well, these are possible use types for digital applications and board games. It doesn't necessarily mean they're always implemented well. And so there's definitely some pros and cons in doing so. Yeah, and I think, and I think Steve, we could all agree that, you know, from our listeners and just in general, the audience and, and everybody at, at uh, the game stores, that board games and apps is very interesting, right? Everyone's got a very opinion, just like a taste in our board games. Um, some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. And, you know, um, I think you'll find it runs the whole gamut. And as you're mentioning the pros. And so with that, I guess for, for ourselves in the podcast here, we feel that, you know, apps do bring some benefits to the table and to the gaming experience. Now, again, these might not be pros for everybody, but overall, you know, when we look at them, this is kind of our view that we feel that, you know, there are definitely some pros with the way that um, digital applications can integrate with the board game experience. So I said earlier with like managing the game environment state and maybe even with the timers having some background music and stuff like that, that just really increased the immersion. If you, that's one thing that board games can't do without digital is having that sound element. We have our senses, right? We have got, you know, sight and touch and all that fun stuff, but like you can't really get that sound in there without, without playing some background music on your own, which you know, can't do. I've done that in different games. I've played Wild West music while playing Bang the dice game that's been real fun and some other thematically appropriate music for the games but having that built into the game really just makes it easier yeah and i would say i love immersion so for me you know even like mansions of madness where it's kind of playing some of those sounds in the background is really really cool um of course u-boat's a really good example where um just in general you kind of have the sub and the water i love that aspect of it now um, you know, some people will play music in the background. Um, you know, certainly this happens, uh, I know, definitely with the Arkham Horror card game and possibly Lord of the Rings or any of you other fans out there of uh, games you love, where just to kind of help bring that theme in, you might play something, right, and get a soundtrack going on YouTube or SoundCloud or something to help kind of make you feel that experience. And that's one thing I love about apps. And um, they can just kind of help you feel a little bit more uh, vested in the experience. Yeah, I had one experience one time when well, I was actually talking about that Bang game, actually, where I was playing that Wild West music and it was getting to a climactic part of the uh, the song and someone was yelling at the other players, hurry up, hurry up, I gotta go because this, this is the climax of the song. I gotta play my turn. It's gonna be epic. So he was like really getting into it. So <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, so that's one way of, of, of pro for utilizing digital applications. Another one, could be uh, rebalancing the game after release. So um, there's always a negative, honestly, that you, if you have to do that, feel like you have to do it, but you know, mistakes happen. Errata's happen. We have to do FAQs for tons of games out there. It's possible that maybe that this can be incorporated into the digital component of the game, maybe updated so that it's kind of seamlessly up, updates as needed, as opposed to having to go out and buy a, a correction pack of cards to replace your existing cards. And I really like this. Um, I feel that it really obviously depends on how much of the game is going into the app. Um, you know, obviously once a card is printed 
it, you know, it's difficult to change that. But um, the app, you certainly have the rebalancing. It depends, again, going back to our use type, the pacing of the game, for example. The developer can speed up or slow down. Maybe you have it when you launch the game, do you want an easy experience, medium or hard? And so that can tweak things, even rebalancing during your experience. So um, I, th I mean, I like this as well, you know, that you can rebalance and tweak the game. I, th I think I would say it's a pro, definitely something that's much easier to do. Of course, we do have a rata re released by publishers, you know, here's some fixed cards or whatever, but most of the users are probably not going to go download, cut those out, print them and replace the cards. Um, I, of course, would never mark up my actual cards with, you know, some of the values that might have changed. And so that's one thing I love about the apps is, hey, there's an update, boom, you know, you have the game a little bit tweaked and rebalanced. Now, there's a potential negative to that, too, where I don't think it'll happen, at least I hope it doesn't happen, where a designer or a publisher just doesn't do the legwork up front to design a, the game appropriately, right? Where they then depend on everyone buying the game to then balance it. Yeah, and I would agree, Steve, that in a lot of ways, this crosses my mind as well, that, you know, with the digital world, it's, ah, just kick it out the door, get it released, meet some arbitrary date, and don't worry, we can patch it later. And I think that would be, you know, obviously a very poor experience for the end users, not very noble, right, of that app developer or publisher. Um, and so hopefully that's not the case. And, um, but it certainly can happen, right? So, I mean, we've seen this maybe happen where stuff is kicked out the door and, and later, you know, the experience is poor for the users. And I think it can also bring um, some feedback. So as the users use that app, might be able to have a feedback loop back to the developer, the publisher to say, hey, here's what we're not liking or here's whatever. And it's really great for that publisher or designer to pick up on that and get it integrated into the app and kind of listen to the community, right? They're the people that are playing this game and investing their time in it. So I would agree that it can definitely be a con. Um, and, you know, hopefully we're not seeing a lot of that in the industry. Another potential pro for utilizing digital game uh, applications would be giving you some quote unquote free content. I use the terms freeze loosely here because software is never really free, even though it perceives to be that. But if like, for example, the digital application was maintaining a, a storyline, for example, or some type of uh, text on some cards, and if you sub your database appropriately, and Elijah's way more intelligent about this than I am, this type of stuff, uh, you could potentially add more events or more campaigns uh, just by adding some new text to the app. Yeah, so I think free content, of course, what is free? What does that mean? You know, we can also see the ability to do in-app purchases. Is that a pro? I mean, to me, yeah. You know, so if you can, if you're able to expand the game very easily, I know all we all love Mother Earth. And so, you know, you're reducing cardboard and clutter and waste and, and shipping all this stuff around the, the planet so people can get it. And hey, I just buy it in my app and I have it. So whether it's free or in-app purchase, I feel that um, that's one great thing about uh, a board game that has the, or sorry, the app is the ability to do that. And of course, yes, depending on how you design your game, how the app is built and integrated, um, you can certainly publish free content or basically make some changes on the back end and kind of have that trickle down to the users and the experience. Uh, another pro that I guess we feel, and I think most people would agree that use apps would be to streamline the setup. And so how many of us write, have a, a people over and uh, or decide to play ourselves and you open the box and you, you know there's this time that you got to take and set up the game and all this stuff and some of us it's like zen for me i don't mind it um it's kind of calming and i just it's part of the experience um but certainly there's some repetitive tasks as well and that's what's really cool about an app so you just boom launch it and go and you're kind of done and so it can definitely streamline that setup what do you think steve yeah, if you had like, for example, a deck of cards that you needed to assemble with uh, some randomness to it, right? Maybe you have different packs of cards, like five packs. You know, it's not a big deal to take those five packs and shuffle them all together, but you can have an app that you just hit start and boom, it does it all for you. You don't have to worry about it. The negative, of course, is you don't have the tactile sensation of flipping over a card and maybe you need to use the cards in a physical sense, but if you don't need that, uh, it could help with actually taking some physical components and putting them into a digital world. And if you're a sleever, your wallet will thank you because you don't have to sleeve all those cards, right, Steve? What are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of one thing that's nice, you know, is this is is the streamlining of the setup is, is really cool. So 
I'm a sleever, and that's one thing that, you know, if you can put it into the app, it's less for me to buy, right? Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about table clutter, Steve. Obviously, you, we have games out here like Twilight Imperium all the way down to these um, t- games in a tin, right, where it's just played very, very small area. And, you know, table clutter is a fact, right? We have board game tables that people buy. Some people have to use their dining room table. And I feel like apps definitely have a pro here when it comes to that kind of table setup and clutter. Yeah, the biggest thing would be like if you have multiple decks. I don't know if our listeners are familiar with Dungeon Quest. You can go look it up. Um, it's a it's an older game that was released by Fantasy Flight and some newer editions. The whole premise is you're basically starting in the corner of this grid-based map and you, you're kind of going to the center of the dungeon and trying to get treasure and get out before you wake the dragon and before the sun goes down. So there's a lot of cards in this deck. There's a catacomb deck and a loot deck and a character and a corpse deck. And there's all these decks that run along the bottom. Like to me, you know, it's not a big deal. It's part of the experience, but like an app could replace all those decks, right? And you just touch the app and you say, I want a catacomb card. And boom, there you go. It's going to reveal it. Now, of course, the downside of that is is some of these cards you uh, maintain. So, hey, put it in front of you. It does something periodically or whatever. And so that's where, right, that app can't replace that table clutter if it's persistent. Another example of this I've seen done in uh, RPGs, actually, where people have built tables and mounted a, a screen or monitor in the middle of the table. And they use this screen or monitor to pull up different maps. And so you can put your your dungeon D&D miniature on top of that and build a different terrain on top of it if you want. Uh, but this way you can switch maps or scroll through maps pretty easily without having to like take out giant uh, paper pages of what you've drawn out, out on the table and manage all that. Another pro is adding some intelligence to key mechanics. And if you guys have probably picked up on, I'm a big fan of a smart AI system. I love it when I'm playing a board game and the game itself makes intelligent choices uh, against the actions I'm making. And you can do this in like games like uh, Madara or Sword and Sorcery or some recent examples that have really nice uh, walkthroughs and like, if this, then this, do this. But honestly, that is just programming written out. You could hide that or place that into an app pretty easily and you can have intelligent solutions that way. One other example I guess I'll add to this kind of going into the intelligence aspect is if we have an app that is replacing the state of the game, right? Think about it. It knows where we are in the campaign. It knows how many monsters we've defeated. It knows how much we're going through their armor per attack. This thing can use right algorithms to understand and maybe even rebalance the game a little bit on the fly. So I don't know that we have that today, but certainly that's within the realm of the developer. That you know, if the if we're consistently nailing these enemies very hard and piercing their armor and bleeding them, maybe the game speeds up the timer. Maybe we have less time to get to the objective. So I think this is a good example that it's a pro. I don't know if it's utilized today, but it has that capability now. Can we translate that to the physical world? I don't know, Steve. Do you think a game could replicate that experience through cards and kind of the dice? The only game I can think of that kind of does that now is Zia, uh, Legends of Adrift system. If you're not familiar with Zia, you are flying around a spaceship into this open universe and you can kind of do whatever you want. You can go deliver goods. You can go blow up sh- ships. You can go explore. Um, it's pretty expansive in that sense. But if you play it solo... There's another ship that's uh, also competing with you, and it's kind of a point-based system. And as you get a bigger lead in points, or 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 falling behind in points, the enemy AI in that game will uh, push harder to catch up to you if it's behind on points, a significant gap. And if it's ahead on points, it won't push as hard. So that's one game in an analog sense that does the same adjustment that you described in digital form. Oh, very cool. So, I mean, I guess it can be replicated through the physical component, but um, I think that's where App would shine as a pro is, you know, can definitely optimize and sort of adjust things on the fly. Yeah, and I think the App could do it better because like the Zia, uh, Legends of Adrift, how that's implemented, it's very very abstract how it's it's, uh, presented to the players. I mean, like you said, you can really get down to the immersion and the thematics to to wrap it up and adjust it appropriately. Yeah, and sort of 
dovetailing with this intelligence and sort of the developer coming up with the math behind all of this, I feel is the randomization. So this is really cool. I mean, obviously we have this today in our games um, with dice and cards and you shuffle, but what I mean here is procedurally generated content. And so, for example, you know, imagine a game where you fire up this game and it, maybe it's an adventure game, fantasy, dragons, whatever we're gonna do, but the app generates the world, the monsters, the environment, all the time and you know differently every single time and maybe you have things like as you're trekking along it's just going to generate a storm you know what hey it's raining it wouldn't it be crazy right if if it was app location based and like it was raining outside your house and like the game implemented a storm i mean i don't know that's right but the ability is there that gets very hard with cards to replicate this uh, procedurally generated content. Not impossible, so I'm sure we have games out there like that, but I think that's a pro that an app can bring to the table is kind of this procedurally generated sort of randomization um, that you know might be limited on the, in the physical realm. No, I agree. And uh, one thing I've been wondering about, which is kind of an interesting concept, is having it, having the ability to play, well, remotely with other people. Unfortunately, we're not always near other board gamers uh, that can easily meet up and sit down at table and play so sometimes depending on the game if it's in a digital form in some sense you could maybe communicate through that digital form or at least play remotely in it if you can link those games together it'd be and then like you said before like having that ability to persist between plays it's a lot easier for a digital uh, save file to maintain that than you having to manage and keep track of all these cards uh, and then uh, generate content based upon that that save file once you decide to revisit the game. You're throwing some new pros at me, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would definitely agree. The save state uh, is huge. Um, you know, obviously there's games out there today where, hey, throw it in a baggie or, you know, something like that. But the app is really easy. Like, you know, hey, and I, and I guess this is going to maybe get into a con that, you know, if not implemented, that could actually be a con, right, where um, it could be a very poor experience. So, and then going to your comment about sync up, like that's super cool. So, you know, we've talked about this, of course, the U-boat experience would be really great. Um, you know, say I'm playing at my house and someone else is playing at their house and you're playing at your house and like being able to link those apps together and kind of somehow represent and maybe even do some video, uh, some audio, right? So like built-in Skype or something would be super cool where like we're experiencing the game together uniquely, no matter our location. And so we're kind of like having the same experience and then being able to, again, be able to save that state would be super cool and pick it back up. Yeah, one example you can do today is I'll get back to that Alchemist game. So in Alchemist, you have to generate that solution in the back end. Well, it's possible that if you set a table, everyone can, instead of passing around one device to scan all the cards in, you could tell people to type in this code and they type in the code and then now all their solutions are the same. And you can take that one step further. If you were to play this remotely, you can have uh, someone managing the game board and with the worker placement with like a ca overhead camera of some kind, like a webcam, and then send that game code uh, or share the game code to people remotely. And now they can scan their own cards, assuming they have a copy of the game at home and do their own uh, you know, worksheets and Sudoku puzzles uh, while playing this uh, in a shared experience w across any distance. And I know there's at least one app out there that does this for Gloomhaven. Um, it's not, it's more of a tracker. Uh, and that gets back to um, the uh, managing the game state. So like you had mentioned early on, we might even have apps that are built by the community. Um, so there's trackers out there for where you have a ton of moving parts and a ton of cards and moving pieces, and it's just going to simplify. It's going to put it in an app. So I know of one where I believe it's for Gloomhaven where kind of the one player, the master player, launches the app and is able to input everything and then somehow give a code or Bluetooth or something where the other players at the table can actually sync to them. And so now everything's in sync. When someone does it one place, it, it kind of pushes it or represents it to all the devices that are connected. So that's kind of a, a cool feature. Um, you know, I think would be kind of in the realm of what we're talking about. So we've been talking about a lot of pros and like a lot of great applications or usage of digital applications, but it's not all rainbows. <laughs> There's definitely some issues with utilizing digital applications. And one of the biggest ones I hear all the time is obsolescence. Like it's, it happens all the time where you buy a phone, you, you use your phone for a while, and then you have to update to a new one. Maybe you break, you drop and break, unfortunately. And now that app that was designed to support that old 
your old phone doesn't run on your new phone or maybe it doesn't run as well or there's some bugs because of whatever so that's always a big issue because we like playing board games it's nice to have a board game keep on a shelf and maybe five years later you haven't played it in a while hopefully it's not been five years since you played it but you know it can happen right pull it off your shelf and you want to play it and then if this had a digital application to it maybe it doesn't work on any devices you have now and now well great now you have a game you can't play yeah and i would agree um so obviously getting into cons here you know is everyone's thoughts and experiences are different for you know whether they want to integrate or use an app and so i love that we kind of have all of that out there in the world but like you're mentioning right suddenly you update the os of your phone and boom now that app doesn't work or it continually crashes right something like that and so you have that obsolescence and like you're saying you know guys there's there's games out there that are 40 years old that people still play right you can laminate this stuff you could sell it at garage sales and that's definitely a problem with the digital stuff now as you know we live in a digital world and so i think it's kind of just representative of the society that we live in we become more dependent on these digital devices right so try living without your phone for you know a week um unplug your internet at home and see how long you last and so it, we live in this connected world and i think that's the con that these apps bring is you know traditionally we're sitting around the table we're we're rolling dice we're we're shuffling cards and as soon as you bring in this app it changes that whole dynamic right so you run the risk of again the app not being supported of obsolescence um you even have experiences where everything works fine but maybe on a certain model like it glitches on the screen and stuff and so you kind of you don't have that obviously with the paper uh and the cardboard and so that kind of goes into my next point steve tell me about the developer who no longer supports it so i don't know that this happens a ton but obviously it can happen so we actually have examples of publishers and designers going completely out of business. They don't even exist anymore. And you're going to find their games all over in the world, right? Garage sales, eBay, wherever. The game marches on. The developers' uh, love for and their passion for bringing that experience to the table is still out there, able to be enjoyed. Tell me about the developer that didn't manage their finances, right, and shut down. What happens? And so we have this totally being a big con that can happen. And... You know, I think it's it, it's something that people are potentially leery of. I know I've seen it in discussions, Steve, as well. I don't know about you and your thoughts. Yeah, this is definitely a, a concern from a lot of people. And it'd be nice. And I know for the example, the uh, the, the U-Boat team, they said that if there's any a time they would, wouldn't support the app anymore, they would make it free and open to the public. So, I mean, that's definitely a solution around that. But I don't know how many other creators would be able or willing to do that. Yeah, and then you have the whole thing, uh, this actually came up, where say the developer no longer wants to support it. All right, say I make an app and I make a game and I don't want to do it anymore. I'm done. I don't want a board game. You know, heaven forbid. And I maybe I'm now a skydiver and that's what I want to do. So I release my source code, put it up on GitHub, um, you know, and uh, or NuGet and people can pull it down and do whatever they want with it. So what is the experience like for the end user? So say you have a community in Europe that forks it and say you have a developer in you know, South America that adds his tweaks and changes. What does that look like for the user? How do they get the truth and, and what does that look like? And so it can actually result in like fragmented sort of an, an experience. And so this is something that you know is obviously a huge con. Some people will, will not buy a game simply because I don't wanna worry about that. I don't wanna have to deal with that. And then, Steve, I know this is totally up your world, uh, in your realm, in your wheelhouse, bad UI. And so I think this bears talking about um, that a mis literally, right, a misplaced button can really make or break an app, right? Uh, so I don't know. I know this is, again, in your wheelhouse, so I'm going to let you talk. Uh, what do you think? How do you feel about that? Oh, definitely. If, if the app is too hard to comprehend or you struggle with it, it just makes the game that much harder to play. And while this applies to digital space for sure, it actually also applies to analog space as well. And I don't know if you guys catch it, but on some of the reviews we do, I'll point out ex examples of bad bad user experience that just that just stick out to me. And it's something that's it takes time to do. It's, it almost seems feels like it's it's almost a uh, overhead, but if you do it right. It really makes the whole experience better. It really makes everything streamlined, makes it easier for people to understand. And it just you really have to take time to do that to really uh, make a, uh, the top quality product you can. 
And I would say if you take that and go reverse, that if it's not, it actually can detract from the experience, right? Like exactly. I can't, e I can't even read this text, right? Like this card, this, why am I clicking this and having to close it? Like that's just a one stop. So it's, and, and I'll tell you this, right? Anybody who can design a game doesn't mean they're a developer. And just because you can code doesn't mean you know UI and the experience, right? So that's why we have UI experts and stuff. And so I think this is a con that, um, you know, an app can bring kind of an experience, but it can suck. It can just not be fun because of that. Um, or the design integration. So I kind of touch on this one, like, so here's an example. There's a game out there that shall remain unnamed that implemented a digital integration, but a lot of the community is questioning, like, why didn't they go this next step? And there's things that are done in the app that don't make sense. Like it does, it's just adding overhead. And so this is again, what I wouldn't call UI, but just design integration. So the way that that is working with your game was very poorly thought out. So like, why is this stack of cards on my table, not in the app? And why am I doing this in the app? It's just a couple little things that I could have on the table. Exactly. That's a great point. Like how do you, where do you draw the line between uh, analog and digital world, which is actually another con, right? Of this, where a lot of times when you want to play a board game, we're trying to escape that digital world. I, for, for my job, I sit in front of a computer for most of my job, uh, working on displays uh, and work on user experience. And so it's really nice for me to sit down and you know pull myself away from all the electronics and sit down and just you know, touch and feel and like be, in, be immersed in my own little world on my table. And sometimes I just don't want to look at the screen. I mean, that's the, the fact of it is. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, we do... Well, a lot of us, right, are playing games for the social aspect. Um, maybe it's the challenge or the puzzle. Maybe it's the theme. And so that's a con is if your game implements it as a supplement, like, hey, you don't have to use this. I think you're going to get more of the, right, the hobbyist and the population that's going to use that. But when you need to use it, you've automatically excluded. It's just a con, right? I don't want to look at a screen. I don't want to charge anything. I don't want to get a notification while I'm in the middle. I want to just play. And so I would agree that, you know, I'm also uh, uh, somebody who sits in front of a screen all day. I'm a software engineer. And so for me, I don't want to sit in, and sit in front of a screen. So I have a, I have a very well-balanced collection, but um, there's definitely people out there, some of our listeners, that will not buy a game or, or you know, um, because of that. Yeah, and I'll, I would not want to have every game in my collection have a digital component to it, right? I it's, I think it's, it's nice to have the option to have some games that have that. I I don't mind it if it adds to the experience, but sometimes even I don't want to even touch those games. I just want to play a completely analog uh, game. And then the other issue that can come up when playing or using a digital application is, you know, bugs and crashes happen. It's unfortunate. And if the app is a key component of your game, well, I guess you just, the game just ended abruptly. And that's just a, a, a poor experience to everyone. I mean, granted that can still happen in analog form. For, exa for example, if you're uh, playing Jenga and like the cat comes by and like knocks over the whole Jenga tower or whatever, <laughs> I mean, there you go, oh, game's over. It can happen then too, but it's, it's a little bit different with analog because you feel like you have control over it. And with app crashing, you generally don't feel any control. That's the issue. Yeah, and, and talk about ruining your experience, right? It, depending on how that app integrates, if it crashes, I am right, your your game is over. And and what does that mean? And, and I guess kind of, uh, like I had mentioned, I'm a software engineer, and so I will say the big challenge here with app crashing and defects as well is how do you corral and correlate the user's crashing to an effective stream back to the developer so that it's cohesive in a way that they can fix it. And I know that's a big kind of sentence, but essentially say, Steve, you launched the app and it, does, it crashes when you do this. Are you gonna remember what steps you took to recreate that? And then say, I have a different hardware model and how do I get that back to the developer to let them know? So just kind of, this is a con that you introduce this whole world of like, you know, people having a bad experience and going through QA and, and getting it. Cause again, people are out there like it crashed when I, you know, it's just crashing on me. That doesn't help the developer. They have to know what steps you're taking to have that recreate. And so there's a lot of overhead, right? There's a lot of overhead and tracking all of that and, and kind of that whole thing. So to me, I know, I know there's a game out now that is, the entire game exists in the app and people are having bad experiences because it's crashed. And the problem with that is, again, you could be three hours into a game and it just goes to the home screen. 
what do you do? The whole game was in that app. So now you're done. You just lost everything, right? And like your comment with the cat and Jenga or maybe a two-year-old coming along and upending the board game or something. Um, this is a con for sure. And one thing that I like doing board games, there's another potential con, is I like house ruling. I like making small tweaks to make the game uh, more enjoyable for me. And if there are parts of the game in the digital world, I'm not able to make those tweaks because I don't have access to that source code in, in nearly all the cases. And I don't have the knowledge to do it. And so I'm stuck playing the game as as the designers or publishers intended, which may may or may not be a, a bad thing, but I like the ability to have to be able to tweak the rules. I think your middle name is House Rule, isn't it, Steve? <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> so your middle name, depending on the week, is either House Rule or Cannot Pass Treasure Chest One Walking By Like Loot, but, Steve Loot. Kingsley. But what's in that box? We have to check. <laughs> we can't just walk away. Steve, uh, you could get burned. There's certain death over there. Yeah, I just I just want to open it and see what's in there. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, just let it go, Steve. It's okay if there's an unopened chest at the end of the game. Um. So, yeah, I would agree. Your, the house ruling here depends. So take, for example, Lord of the Rings, the new one. Um, it's calculating the armor and, the, and the, the hit points for that monster. So there's no changing that, right? I can't give him double health. I can't do anything. I can house rule what's in front of me, how many cards I'm drawing and success and different things like that. But, yeah, as soon as you put that in an app, it's just impossible. So unless you keep track of it some other way. So I'm going to guess some remote sort of multiverse of our existence, someone else could like keep track of a paper on a piece of paper or something, but who's going to do that, honestly. And then tell me about the whole social aspect, Steve. So we get together to laugh and fun and, and play. What happens when you bring an app into that? Yeah, well, a couple of things should happen. If, if you need an app to run the game, well, now you could have one person staring at their screen and they have, I don't know, a different experience than everyone else at the table because they can't see the screen. Or or maybe, I mean, you can maybe project onto a, a monitor or TV, which helps, but sometimes it's not easy to do or you don't have the right setup to do so. Or maybe you have the other option where, okay, let's have everyone um, have it on their phones. Well, now you're sitting around a table with everyone on the phones, which now you're kind of pulling away from the social experience and Maybe someone gets tempted to like, hey, let me check my messages or text this person. Well, now they're removed from the experience of being at the table playing this game. Yeah, that's not fun. I mean, I think you can see this if you go into any restaurant or, you know, place you see a lot of people staring down at their phones, the grocery checkout line. And yeah, you can't share your screen, right, with that digital experience. And all of a sudden, um, it doesn't become fun. There's another game out there uh, that I know. Again, a lot of it takes place in the screen. And there's some reviews where it's just like, I'm basically, it's just only one person can do something at a time and they're just staring at the phone and it's kind of not fun. And I would probably agree, right? And that's that's a con for sure. Yeah, because in my mind, the point of playing board games is to socialize. That's the main reason why I got into the hobby, at least for me it is. And I don't want to be stuck behind a screen and not interacting with people at the table. So that wraps up our discussion of the pros and cons of digital applications in board games. But let's kind of do a quick summary of like, well, how is how are digital applications best utilized in board games? And maybe there's some really good examples we can we can share. Yeah, so let's talk about U-Boat. Uh, we recently reviewed this. Um, I think it's amazing. So it's a really good example of immersion. Um, I mean, it's it's really a good example of, of a lot of different things. So let's take the role of a GM. I mean, technically, we could have somebody playing, right, the bad subs um, and the enemy aircraft and stuff. The game does it for us, does it really well. Let's look at the game pacing. It keeps track of that, the time. You know what year and day you're on. It's keeping track of the watches, and so the whole thing is, is really in there. And the whole environment state, I mean, that is, right? You vote. The app is the whole state. It's got the ocean. We can dive and go up and down. It's not everything, right, because the state of the game is your sub in front of you, where your guys are and things like that. But I think this U-Boat uh, is just a really good example of immersion. I will say this, right, so going back to our pros, there's some rebalancing happening. Awesome, right? Free content, different things. Great streamlines. Some of the setup, not really, but it's adding intelligence. Of course, randomization. I think there is some procedurally generated stuff. Obviously, the immersion's great. You hear the pings and things. But let's talk about the whole, I can't save, you know, that's a big problem um, or the app crashing, the inability to share. So kind of the whole design of that game is, you know, one of the roles really runs the app and everyone else is just kind of like, hey, what's going on and stuff. So it's not a big deal because everyone else has a lot going on as well. But um, I think U-Boat 
is a good example of doing a lot of things from the different use types and they do, it does it pretty really well actually and it's a lot of fun yeah and another point of the distinction is it still feel like you're playing a board game because you still have to collaborate with everyone at the table and like oh yeah i need this done and this done i need your help over here and so even the person on the app has to pull away from the app to to uh, manage the stuff and so it's a really nice effect that 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 person is not only doing the app there everyone is still playing the board game Yep, and I will echo. There's just a game out there again. Or it's not. I'm not going to name it. That there is an app, and it feels like literally you could have just put all the cardboard into the app and just made it an app only game. And so the that to me is a bad representation or a bad example. So yeah, and then the U-Boat what it excels at to another point I'll, I'll add here is just the open world environment. It's really hard to to add the feeling of an open world environment in a board game due to, you know, physical constraints and just components and stuff like that. And putting that all into a digital space works really well. And an example, another example I thought was really well, really good is the player replacement, and that's Alchemist. So this is a competitive game, but taking away, having someone sit there with an answer key just cleans up the game immensely. We've also seen that some uh, GM-type games where, like, like we said before, Imperial Assault and Descent, they can also replace that as well. Another really good use of digital implementations, we kind of already mentioned it with U-Boat, is you really want to only have short interactions or with that digital environment. You don't want to have to have someone staring at the screen and then they feel like they're in their own world while everyone else is sitting around the table or everyone's looking at the monitor, not the table itself. So you want to have an app that that has a need to look at the screen or has audio prompts or some way to bring your attention to it when needed. Or maybe it's a, even a player uh, control one. Well, okay, now I'm ready to go to the app and see what happens, as opposed to have having me someone maintain focus. And I'll say that you know that's a good point, Steve. This is, I think, a personal preference, um, and this is our view. Is you know that that's how an app should be, and we'll touch on this just in a little bit here. But um, you know, I don't think any of us would agree that when you have an app that everybody should just be sitting around staring at it again, all of a sudden, why do we need the cardboard and why are we sitting around the table? That's just, you know, ridiculous. So, right. And then of course, if there's anything in the game, that's just going to be, it's you to make it work the way you want. It's going to be a lot of number crunching or just something really repetitive or monotonous. That's a perfect usage of an app too. Uh, and then I guess I'll list Alchemist again for that Sudoku puzzle. You don't want to have someone like look at a chart and tell them what the solution is. That's just I don't know, boring and monotonous. You don't really, eh, just nothing really happening. So just having the answer key in the digital form behind the code so no one sees it just makes everyone experience that game the same way. So with all of that said, we right, we've covered the use types and, and you know, the pros and cons. Again, uh, of, these are just ours. And of course, we could really get into this. So we just kind of hit on some of the high stuff. So let's talk about our personal stances with digital uh, integration. So for myself personally, I own games that use apps in various fashions. My personal experience is I want, if the app is going to, you know, be a part of the game, I want to feel like the publisher is going to be around. I want to feel like the developer is going to be able to support that app. You know, I want to make sure that the UI is designed really well. And I want to make sure that that publisher, developer, designer has made sure that the app is doing a good job at what it's supposed to do. And I, you know, I just hope that that's defined up front. I don't, again, I'm a software engineer, so I don't want to sit around and look at a device all day. So I'm with you on that last point, Steve, where I just want quick little snippets and quick little checks. I love it when the app is able to keep track of the game state for me um, and then bring that immersion, right? I love to role play. And so for me, that's kind of that core experience there is cool. But the setup and teardown as well, you know, that really helps. I still have a huge collection of just, you know, other games that would, that don't represent that. But um, I also like the, the, the pacing, the fuse and things like that are really cool. So I'm okay with games and apps, you know, so if I see a game on a shelf and it requires an app, I'm not inclined to just avoid it outright. But, you know, I'm looking for things like, do I need the internet to use it? And is this some stand fly-by-night publisher? And what exactly is the app doing right for that game is what, you know, to, to help me understand whether that's a purchase that I want to make. Yeah, for me, I, I'm open to it. I wouldn't say I look for it or I'm not closed off by it, but I'm open to it if they, they if a publisher wants to add that. And I guess the big factor to me is, you already mentioned a few of them, was, is a, a few things. One is 
do I feel like this is going to get the support it's going to going to need in the future? Is it going to be supported for a, a, a period of time? Because uh, at least for me, I like to keep my board games around for a long period of time. I like to play games a lot of times, as opposed to a few times and move on to a new game. And so I, I don't want to have the 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 dread of not having that a digital version or be able to play that the digital application due to obsolescence, or whatever. And so one thing that I'm probably going to do is when I get my new phone, I'm probably just going to take my old phone and, and store away someplace just in case I I need to access those that digital app for board games in the future i can even tuck in a box i really want to want to keep it around but so that's one thing not not a huge deal but that's one i want to have at least a decent time frame where i can keep playing the game and the other thing that's important to me is i don't want digital applications just for the sake of adding an app it i don't care give me the analog version all day long i want my digital application to do something different do something that's really hard to do in an analog form. Do something that's going to add immersion, add sounds. Help. I want to get lost to the game. I, I love it when games, and it, whether it's a digital app or not, when I'm sitting and playing a game, and whether it be a puzzle or an adventure, and I totally lose track of time, lose track of space. I, I'm just in the world of the game. And then I look up at the clock, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize what the time was. I need to go home or whatever it is. So <laughs> to me, that's that's what I want to get out of games. And and so if the digital application can help provide that in a unique experience, a unique way, I'm all for it. And so that's going to wrap up our discussion, a topic on digital apps and board games. Hope you found that interesting to listen to. Be sure to check out that pin contest on the One Top Co-op Shop YouTube channel. Mike has an excellent video detailing that. And I'd just like to add, if you want to hop into our Slack and let us know how you feel about digital apps and integration with board games, uh, feel free to do that. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be a discussion in that Slack <laughs> talking about this topic. So <laughs> we, t- we tend to have a lot of topic spinoffs after our podcast releases. Anyway, thanks for joining us. And join us next week, and we'll see you at the next stop. Thanks for listening to another episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Please check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop, where you can get great game playthroughs and 5 and 5 reviews. If you want to have a conversation with us, the best place to reach out to all of us is on the Slack channel. Links are in the show notes. You can also talk to us on Twitter at MVP Board Games or email us at MVPBoardGames at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us again, and we'll see you next week with another Top 5 list. Awesome. Yeah, and after our both our travels, we met up to play Outer Rim. It's a Fantasy Flight Star Wars game. So I'm sure we'll talk about that more in the future once we get a few more. Oh my god. <laughs> <sighs> that just derailed. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, and so like downloading packs, is that what you're talking about, Steve? Exactly. Or just, you know, things in the background? Yep, exactly. Uh, God, why did I say exactly? You said exactly. Um, it's fine. <laughs> you can edit it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I would agree. This is, you know, I was going to say exactly again. Exactly is the word of the day, people. Um, <laughs>